This is the Championship Club Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Championship Clubs Podcast. I'm Ross Hancock, and I'm joined again, as usual, by Charlie Beckett as we look back at the Premiership Rugby Cup and the big and very sad news about Jersey Reds' liquidation, with it looking as if they'll be heading out of the Championship ahead of the new season. We will, however, be looking at all 11 clubs ahead of a new Championship League season, like we say, and we'll be making some predictions. But we'll start with Charlie. How's uh, how's London life, mate? Still enjoying it? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Very good. I've just rushed back from training my long commute to the player house, which it's actually brilliant. The gate opens up to the car park, so it's not a long commute to work. Uh, but no, very good. Thank you. Just finished day training. We are... Uh, we were off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So obviously, no game this week. A little bit Thursday, Friday, and then into the first week of the championship season. Obviously, the cups been very exciting here with us going through to the semis as well. Been massively exciting, but now it's proper business end, bread and butter, uh, championship league season time. Good stuff, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that's where we'll start today with the with the Premiership Rugby Cup. Like you say, full stages are finished now. We'll uh, we'll have an overall look at the competition, but we'll start with. Uh, with the eye catchers from last weekend, obviously Bedford, Ryan smiling in the corner of my screen there, beating Leicester at Goldington Road. I think Andy Good called it Leicester under 14s, but I think it was a, a little bit better job than that for Bedford Blues. And Coventry running Gloucester very, very close at Kingsham, took a last minute try from them uh, to secure their place in the semis. And like you say, Charlie, your boys are eeling into the semis and and their chances as well. We'll speak about that in a minute and, and the success of the, the competition overall. But just looking back at, at last week, what did you make of uh, some of the results there? Uh, I thought it was an interesting week on results front. You saw, obviously, the um, class of some of the Premiership teams being a little too much the Championship sides, as as would be expected when the Premiership sides start to put out the the teams that are probably going to be very similar to that that start their Premiership games. The Sale team that beat Amstel convincingly will be pretty close to their Premiership starting side. So, as you'd expect um, it to be, that's that that would be what you'd expect that they would beat Championship sides closely. The one that I thought was very interesting this week is. I think that Gloucester team that Coventry probably should have beaten were unlucky, very unlucky not to. I'm not sure how many changes there will be in that to their Premiership team this weekend. I am. Um, I tweeted about it at the weekend or X'd it. I don't know what you call it now. That I posted on the app formerly known as Twitter. Um, yeah, good. That I thought Coventry may have had the most impressive run in the um, Premiership Cup out the Championships. I know they haven't gone through. Like we have at Ealing, but. You look at the sides that they beat. They beat Saris, which is no mean feat, whatever Saris team you beat. They then went to the stoop and drew and probably should have won. When you look at it, they they had 10 minutes against 13 men. Well, they would have been disappointed not to have scored, try and put the game to bed. And then they've gone to Gloucester, King's home, busy King's home, week before the Premiership starts, played a very close to strongest Gloucester side without their World Cup players and lost by one point in the last minute. So I think Coventry... And Ealing will be the two happiest clubs coming out of it. But I think the whole competition has been brilliant. I think as much as you say, for example, Bedford beating Leicester. Yes, it wasn't Leicester first team. No one's expecting that. But it's still a huge moment for the club of Bedford. Golden Road, like it was absolutely rocking. And it then comes to the conversation of, would we should we expect uh, the non-23, the widest squad of a premiership club, to be beating a championship team? Most people probably say you would expect it purely on the the funding difference, like I said last time, but it hasn't been the case. So I think it shows, again, the strength and depth of the championship and actually when put up against Premiership sides without their internationals, I don't think there is too much divide in the class and the quality and that's that's what this competition shown. shown. So I think it has been a resounding success and I hope 
whatever happens in the next few years of the restructure of English rugby, I hope this competition or something like it, where we can see pre- uh, tier one and tier two teams in the English system play against each other more often. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. I, I do. I, I, that was actually going to be my next question is, was a case of, will it be back? Should it be back? I think we, we all would agree that it definitely should be back, whether it will or not we, remains to be seen. And, and we obviously hope so. Um, of course, there's obviously the uniqueness of, of this being a you know a rugby World Cup season, and, and everything starts a bit later, and how that looks potentially maybe in the in the Six Nations blocks and the and the autumn internationals going forward. But yeah, you obviously you look at the value of it, and and it's probably been more valuable to the Championship clubs, both financially and in terms of getting themselves out there and that exposure that perhaps they don't always get. Um, but yeah, and uh, looking back at, at your side, obviously the inner performance element of it, then Ealing are in the semi-finals out of you know ten prem clubs, twelve as it started championship clubs. That's that's something they've got to be pretty happy with. I'm sure sure it's a happy camp moving into those semi-finals. Yeah, I think it can't be overstated what an achievement is actually for any of the championship clubs to make it into those semi-finals. Like we have finished above two premiership sides in our pool, and we have beaten two premiership sides on the way. So. I think, especially, I think the Northampton team that came here was a young Northampton team. And I think especially up front, that was a tough day for them. But especially going to Bristol, going to uh, Ashton Gate and beating the Bristol side that came up that day, that was a fairly strong Bristol side, actually. So I think it's it's a huge achievement. But I think only when you're on the inside here, do you realise what an ambitious club it is and all the right ways. And actually, it was kind of what was expected of when you look at the player pool, when you look at the resources, when you look at where this club wants to be, actually these are the sort of things that have to be happening. So as much as it's a huge achievement, I think it was very much job done on the pool stage. The aim was always to get out of it. And now on our day, can we go and beat? I think I think I saw we have Gloucester in the summer. I don't know if it's confirmed yet. I'm not sure who yeah, if it's been confirmed I, by the RFU. I'm not sure. I, I I've seen a few bits and bobs. I think um it's I think everybody knows what the points awards are going to be. I don't think they're going to expunge the jersey fixtures, but based on um, how many points Ealing get, which you would imagine would be five. I think that changes who they would play. So currently, I think Ealing would play Gloucester at King's Home. But when they get their five, I believe Ealing would be at home to Exeter Chiefs. So, you know, that's an even bigger proposition because if that's the case, then Ealing are a really, real, realistic opportunity there to to make a, the final of the Prem Cup. And I'm not sure how many how many years or games it's been since they actually last lost in the the Championship Cup, which has effectively been replaced for them this year by the by the Premiership Cup. Yeah, I think we discussed it uh, the other week. I think I think in the last, I'll get this wrong, it was either the last three or four seasons, I think Ealing have won every cup competition they've been in because they won the last B&I Cup and then they've won every incarnation of the Championship Cup. I don't know if there was two or three of them. So, yeah, it, cup competitions go well for Ealing in the past. So, hopefully this one will as well. But no... Whether it's Gloucester at King's Home or Chiefs at um, Vallis Way, either of them are just incredible, incredible fixtures and massively exciting for the club. So it's something to look forward to in the new year. But as I said earlier, it, it's business time in the championship season first. It is, yeah. And we alluded to it there just a second ago. Obviously, we started the championship, uh, sorry, the Premiership Rugby Cup with with 22 teams. We ended with, with 21. We're going to start the league season with 11 teams. It would have been 12. Of course, that's the the elephant in the room, the, the big, big news of the demise of Jersey Reds. Obviously, very sad for all the players, all the staff, supporters, and the league. It's gotten a bit messy. You're an ex-Red, mate. What's your, what's your take on what's happened? Mate, just huge, huge wave of sadness followed by anger, to be honest, at the whole situation. Um, 
it was massively sad when Worcester went, when Wasps went, when Irish went. I've got friends at those clubs. I'm a rugby man through and through. Like it, it, it's in my bones. As much as I wish it wasn't, rugby is in my bones, is in my blood. And seeing any club go is sad. But it hit me much harder when it's one of my former clubs. Like I, I lived on that island for the best part of two years. I know the, I know the backroom staff. I know the fans. I know the people who, the people on those island who work in the week. They earn their money in the week purely so they can follow the Reds everywhere they go. They're at every away game. They go to every one, every home game. And those fans don't have a club now. And they're probably who I'm saddest for because as much as it's horrendous people losing jobs, you can get a different job. You you can. It's very hard at the moment, but you can. You can only support one rugby club. You can only support one team in life. And those, those fans now have lost their team. And it's not like they can pop down the road and try another one. Jersey's unique in the fact that it's this little island. There is one professional sports team on the island, one professional rugby team, sorry. And now that's gone. I'm sad for the wave of young Jersey men who wanted to grow up and play for the Reds. There's now no professional team there for them. And then you go away from the fans of the community and the effect it has on them. So many great people at that club, so many brilliant people behind the scenes who work in the kitchens, who work in the offices, who work in the ground staff, people who work at the airport, to get you to games, things like that. Now, huge, huge source of their income are gone. And then you get to the coaches and the players who went to bed one night, getting ready to come over to Pirates, thinking they were getting ready to hopefully have a run in the cup and go and defend their title. And then the, the next day at 7.30, I called in for a meeting and told they've got no jobs. That That's the thing that makes me angriest about it. It seems it's come for these people completely out of the blue. And things like this don't happen out of the blue. Someone, I don't know who, someone must have known or had the foresight to see this was happening and either has ignored it or chosen not to tell people and then let it all come crashing down on top of all these people out of nowhere. And yeah, really, really sad and really, really angry about the whole thing. Yeah, I think got every right to be. I think that'll be echoed by a lot of people that, you know, have have an association with Jersey as either someone that, you know, that, that played against them, played for them previously, that kind of stuff. I think I've said it on social media or or to, to people in the game or friends, but, you know, for me, and, um, you know, it sounds like a bit of a broken record. Now, this has got to act as a catalyst for changing the game. It really does. You know, we, we've read article after article, we've seen tweet after tweet about how, uh, London Irish, that was going to be the last we saw of it. Jersey, let's not forget, are a, a fully, well, were a fully professional team as well. You know, well-backed, successful on the pitch as well. You know, if things were different, they might have even been playing Premiership rugby this year. And would that would that have changed the trajectory of where the, where the club has gone if they had got that extra funding? So, like, yeah, the question to you, I suppose, from that and, and me calling for it to be a catalyst for change is, will it? <sighs> It's such a great question, mate, because you want to say yes, obviously it will, but why does why is losing four any different to three? And like that's thing, we've lost a really great rugby club here. We've lost a really great rugby, a proper rugby club that was in the professional game. Like everyone who goes to Jersey to watch a game loves it. And while there's still the amateur club there, and I, I love that there's the amateur club and Jersey rugby club, yeah. not Jersey Reds, are doing brilliantly, and the club will carry on through that, and that makes me so happy. We've lost a brilliant professional rugby club in the last few weeks. And you say, will it be a catalyst for change? Well, if it's not, I don't know what will, because 14 months, 12 months ago, yeah, 12 months ago, we had 14 professional, um, sorry, we had 18 professional rugby clubs in England. We now have 14. We've lost four. We've lost over 20% 
of our professional rugby clubs in the country in the last year. That is a bonkers statistic. Like that, if that was happening in anywhere else, if you were losing 20% of something in a year, you'd be like, oh, something needs to change because this just isn't right. And it just is a knock-on effect. It has now there's 20% less chance for young men growing up to play professional rugby in this country. So we're going to have 20% less people probably wanting to play rugby eventually because there isn't the end goal to go and get it. Like growing up as a young kid, all I want to do is play professional rugby. I've been lucky enough that I've done it for 12 years. But it was very obvious where the opportunities were for me to do it. I knew the path was there, how I want to do it. There were opportunities everywhere. There's so many less now. And if it isn't a catalyst for change, I don't know what will. Do we have to lose double figures? What do we have to lose? Because if we think this will be the last one, then we are stupid. Because four have gone in a year. It's not like we're now going, oh, that's it, done. There will be more if we don't change. Our system is clearly fundamentally broken. The the statistics, the proof, the evidence is there. So if we don't change it, we're going to keep losing clubs. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You know, some some strong words there. And I tell you, you're angry and, and passionate about Jersey, but being there yourself as well. And it's not a question for you to answer in terms of making a decision, but I suppose for the sake of the, of the podcast is... We don't know what the future is going to look like. What should should it look like to make it work? Because we've been talking about PRL2 for now for what seems like forever. That's not going to be next season from what we hear. That's going to be the season after. You know, we can't afford for the can to get kicked down the road any further, can we? We just can't. No, and, and that's the thing. I, I, have, I have plenty of ideas of how, if I was in charge, changes I'd make and what I'd do now. I haven't got the, I don't know how much money we're working with. I don't know all the facts and figures. So I'm not going to sit here and say my fanciful ideas that could just be completely incomprehensible because that doesn't work. However, there are people whose jobs it is to do this. There are people there, higher up, whose jobs it is to do this. And I don't understand why we're now waiting till the 25-26 um, season when we all thought it would be 24-25. I don't know why we're waiting those 12 months. We haven't. No one seems to have told us why. We've just been told that's happening. So there's another 12 months where we're working the same system where we risk losing more clubs. Like let's be honest, like the stat the, the figures would say that in the next 12 months we can expect to lose another four. And that'll be eight in two years. And then we'll have less, then we'll have then we'll have 10 professional teams. Then we'll have just, just what's in the premiership now. So I I don't know what more needs to happen for the powers that to be to realize they need to change. I think I think they realize there needs to be changed. I don't think anyone's pretending there doesn't need to be. I'm just I'm unaware and confused as to why we're waiting. Um, I hope there are good reasons. I hope there are the right reasons, but an explanation would be nice so that we weren't sat on this podcast going, I wonder why. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And uh, Ryan, you can feel free to to edit this out if uh, if I'm asking a question that's already been answered. But as far as I'm aware, the, the championship season, as we record now on, on the Thursday before uh, the week of the, the new season, seven or eight days away, we haven't actually been told formally that Jersey aren't in the championship next season. It doesn't look like they will be, but there's been no official statement. There's not even been any official statement on a points award for the games they didn't play in. So maybe that tells you everything we, we need to know about the lack of uh, clarity of, of uh, you know professional rugby in this country and, and the second tier. But on to the new championship season. Uh, keep an eye out on the, on the socials next week and, and all across the week, depending on when you're listening to this. There will be uh, some form of, of preview on each club as we uh, ramp things up towards the the start of an exciting new season, and we're gonna we're gonna look at each club individually now and and assess their uh, their chances for the season and make some predictions at the end of uh, of all eleven clubs. We're gonna start off with 
Anyway, it actually sounds strange to say this that, that they're not the defending champions. We've just spoken about Jersey, but Ealing for all their for all their strength and and their their squad, they were last season's runners up. So they're the 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 next highest place, if you will. They're the team that you're at at the moment, Charlie. What what do you make of uh, how they're going to look this season? Yeah, I think Ealing are always there there or thereabouts, aren't they? Like they were consistently second to the side that was the Premiership team per se coming down. Uh, they then won the league. And then I think it was probably a shock to everyone that Jersey went last year, but Jersey was sensational last year. Um, I think Jersey going really break the title race wide open, but I think Ealing will absolutely be at that top end of the of the table. I'm not going to sit here and say Ealing will win the league because I think that's completely unfair to a lot of other good sides in this competition. Um, it'll be a very competitive league, I think, this season, but I think Ealing will definitely be up in that top end and title contention. I don't think that is a particularly dramatic statement to say. No, not at all, mate. And and we look further down the table from from last season, last season standings. We just spoke about them actually earlier on in the in the Premiership Rugby Cup uh, segment of the show, and and you know a very impressive showing from Coventry, who you know some of the, some of these teams will benefit from Jersey not being in the league to get a little bit closer to to Ealing. You know, it's two games where you don't have to to face a title challenger if you like, and maybe even become one themselves. Yeah, Coventry looked really good, mate. Like seriously good from what I've seen in the uh, in the Premiership Cup. And they obviously had a tough start to the season last year, and then there was a few changes there, and then they were flying last year. So I think Coventry will absolutely be in that title hunt, no doubt about it. The interesting of Jersey um, going as well is where those players end up. There's a lot of very very good players now looking for clubs. It's been brilliant to see a few of them picking up. I think we've seen five or six picking up top tier either Premiership or URC. Uh, contracts, but there'll be a lot who end up at other championship clubs. And actually, how other championship clubs can do some business and pick up top end players that we we don't know where they've landed yet. But I'm sure we'll see in the next few weeks that could have a huge, huge uh, saying on how teams go and where they finish as well. But no, Coventry look a seriously good side. And Bedford as well. Obviously, they uh, they had a tough start to the Premiership Rugby Cup. They saw off a, an understrengthened young Leicester team, but that'll give them a lot of confidence going into this season and and how they performed last year. They were the the league's entertainers and they're, they're probably going to continue that mantle. And like you say, we speak about Jersey not being in the league. Look, look at a, an even higher finish than normal. Yeah, I think if I was Bedford, the thing I'd be happy about was they got a really gritty and tough win at Amptel a few weeks ago where they probably, looking at it, were probably the second best side for a lot of it, but got a win. And I think sometimes Bedford have this reputation, like it says, the great entertainers, but maybe that comes with the caveat of teams seem to think they can't tough it out when they need to, but that absolutely doesn't seem to be the case with Bedford this season. So Bedford will be a bloody good side as well. Always a tough team to beat. Always, I've said it before, for my money, for my money, the best ticket you can buy on a Saturday to watch Robbie in England is going and watching Bedford Blues. You'll always be entertained, but it's, it does seem they're a very good side as well this year. So I think they will be in that top four and have some sort of say in where the title ends up. Definitely. And on to, uh, on to Cornish Pirates. It feels strange for me to, to ask you the question. I'm sure you'll turn around on me as well. But yeah, just to get your thoughts on, on how you see the, the Pirates get going this season. Yeah, another team that always, always tough to beat in, at Pirates. Always travel better than they have any right to for how far they have to go every week. About 13 hours on a bus every week, but always seem to get off it and play well. So yeah, you, you can tell me more from the inside, Ross, but surely got to be excited for the season ahead and what the what the boys down in Cornwall can achieve. Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, we're, we're one of those clubs that benefit from um, a good arrangement with the Premiership side and Exeter Chiefs and our dual reg. How much we see of them during the season can can vary. And, you know, obviously, injuries, we've got a few knocks at the moment. But 
you know, on paper, I think it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's a it's a stronger squad as we've we've had. We have lost a few boys, but you know, the pack are well drilled and they've spent a season together and we've picked up some good results in in the Premiership Rugby Cup. We ran Bath close. Um disappointed obviously to lose out on the jersey game. We would have we fancied having a crack at that. Um but yeah, we you know, like I say, we're 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 always we're always going to be there or thereabouts with the quality we've got, and that that comes with it its own pressure. Uh, we still carry that slight bullseye on the chest of you know playing away from home against teams that want to want to knock you off as as anyone does with anyone in this league. So yeah, really uh, really excited to see uh, how we get on. Really excited to get started with 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 two home games and yeah, see where we go from there in what looks like a bit of a disjointed season with with lots of weeks off. Uh, we were going to touch on on Joe. We should have touched on uh, on Donny rather. Sorry, a, a moment ago in the Premiership Rugby Cup and the you know the opposite effect a, a positive Premiership Rugby Cup can have. They yeah, you know, we've been tipping them to to go on to potentially better things this season. Um, you know they did face a fairly strong Northampton side, but I'm I'm almost certain that Doncaster will be fairly livid with taking eighty points on on you know TNT Sports in front of a, a big watching audience. They were remarkably unphysical against Saints, which isn't a um, isn't a trademark of Donny. They're normally one of the most physical, if not the most physical sides in the league. So I think it'd be a very good Donny side this year. Don't I don't think, don't let that fool you into thinking they won't be serious contenders this year. From everything I've seen and knowing the squad they've put together there, it's a good Doncaster Knights team this season. So they will be up there as well. I think it's going to be very, very tight up at the top this year. Yeah, I agree, mate. And uh, and looking at some of the sort of mid-table teams, without you know, it's obviously not being disrespectful at all, heartbreak can can, uh, can cause a shock on on their day. And yeah, they're starting to turn the Alpers into a bit of a fortress, aren't they? I know they maybe not go completely unbeaten, but they certainly uh, they certainly give you know people a, a tough test when they when they turn up there now. Yeah, really tough place to go. Always a great production of talent at Heartbreak. Lots of good young players. Also in a very good position for Jewel Reg from Bristol, from Gloucester. So be very tough to beat at the Alpass. Um, yeah, Hartbury are always, always a decent side as well. And what about Coldy? We obviously don't want to gloss over too much on the on the guys uh, in the middle and the bottom, but is it going to be the the, de- the the difficult second album, is it? Or are they going to still be a gritty, gritty outfit that picks up some good results? Yeah, I think probably unfairly, the likes of Coldy, Amptill and Cambridge get banded in together because they are part-time and they're very much community clubs still that have come through. Um, you look at the three of them, because I will band I will band them all in together. As I said, unfairly, people do, but I'll do it. Uh, Coldy, if they do as well as he did last season, I think they'd take that now. I think everyone, including me, was shocked, was pleasantly shocked with how well Coldy did last year, especially that win against Ealing at Coldy will go down forever. Um, I think they'll have more than enough to stay up. I don't think they'll be finishing bottom, but... They may struggle to replicate some of the success from last season. Amptill have had a really tough Premiership Cup, but it's a good setup there. They've got a more formal arrangement with Saracens this season, so I think it'd be interesting how that develops. But always a tough place to go, Amptill. And I've been also pleasantly surprised with how Cambridge have gone in the uh, Premiership Cup. You ignore the Bristol result because that was two very different sides playing that that night, but. Actually, I think they looked very competitive and looked like they've got enough to be a decent side this year. I think as Titus will be at the top, it will be at the bottom as well. I think it's. I don't think there's going to be anyone down the bottom by a long way. I think it's going to be really competitive at both ends of the league this season. Just uh, finishing off then, just to make sure we've given a, a shout on every single club. We've got London Scottish as well, who'll be looking to take their end of season form into the new season. They've shown some glimpses in, in the Premiership Rugby Cup so far, but 
yeah, they'll be they'll be hoping that their arrangement with Harlequins leaves them in a good place as well. Yeah, it was. I don't think we spoke about enough. Like what what an impressive turn of um, turn of form it was last season. Scottish, they'll be hoping to carry on that as they continue um, continue into the season. And Nottingham too. That you know they picked up uh, picked up a decent away draw at Coventry, considering that they've. You know, Coventry are, are, are much fancied. They played some good stuff. They got some good lads in there from from Leicester Tigers, and uh, I expect them to be uh, difficult to beat at home. And you know, maybe when the when the tracks are a bit dry, they're going to throw the ball around away from home as well. Yeah, and it's it's a really really hard place to go, Lady Bear, especially on a Friday night when the weather comes in. So Nottingham were probably disappointed how they've done the last few seasons. I think they could very much be from heading from the top of the bottom to more the mid table range this year. They have. A decent pack, but a very dangerous back line. Uh, they've recruited fairly well. The Leicester arrangement hopefully will help them more. And they have, I know he's a mate of mine, but I, they have the most criminally underrated player in the league, I think, in Dave Williams. The yeah. fact he he every year finishes in the top three try scorers while playing for a team that in the last three years have finished in the bottom three is all you need to know about that man. So if they get on their day, if they get it right, Notts will beat anyone. That's the scary thing with Nottingham. If you get it wrong there, you'll lose. It doesn't matter who you are. So... Um, I think an exciting season for them as well. I'm just I'm just excited for Championship Rugby now. The season's here and I think it's going to be a really, really good one. Mate, we're looking forward to it and we're looking forward to your weekly predictions. Going to put you on the spot. No insight. I just want names, predictions, Championship winners, bottom of the table, surprise package. Go. Winner, Ealing, bottom, Cambridge. This is really on the spot. Surprise package, Nottingham. I think they'll finish a lot higher than they have the last few seasons this year. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.